Good evening. As for me and my house, we will obey the Lord. Need to report on a couple of things before I forget to do that. Uh, first, last week we took an offering for the uh, folks who were part of the victims of the fire on, um, up north on Academy. Uh, you gave over $120 that uh, was then sent on to the Red Cross. Uh, the next day, uh, the business office sent an email around and asked for more money from staff. I'm not quite sure what was gathered, but uh, that money was sent along. And second, uh, I want to remind you about the concert of prayer that is going to happen this Friday night at 7 o'clock over in the Williamson Alumni Room. And the reason why I want you to know about it now is that I don't want you to just show up then. Albert Day says that if we wait to pray, wait until we pray in order to experience God's presence, we've waited too long. Uh, prayer begins before it begins. And so the folks who are in hosting the concert of prayer and inviting you to be a part of that on Friday night will hope not only that you'll show up and be there, but that you will be praying in the process before 7 o'clock on Friday. So I um, want to make sure that you're aware of that. And then finally, um, a number of you, uh, I know we're here in chapel last night, and glad you're back, and I know that you're looking forward to uh, Pastor Jim Dorsey's rest of the story. He left us kind of hanging last night. It was kind of a Paul Harvey deal. Here was the first half, and we don't know what's going to happen. So glad you're here. Um, Reverend Dorsey is the Director of Evangel Evangelism Ministries for the United States and Canada for the Church of the Nazarene. He's very interested in helping us reach others uh, through the process of church starts, new starts, church plans, new places of faith. So that's why we're here this evening. I want us to sing a song. So, you ready to sing a song? Mm. Good thing I'm not taking a vote. All right, Reverend Dorsey. Well, you sing that like you mean it tonight. That's wonderful news, good news. I do believe that Jesus is Savior to all, don't you? And that's really what, what moves us to do the work he's called us to do. I really do believe that Jesus is the answer. I really do. I believe it so much, uh, I'm ready to move somewhere and start a whole new work and see what he is going to do. Sometimes starting a church is a little bit like the whole creation story. There was nothing there. And all you have is to speak the word. <laughs> That's all you start with. You make something out of nothing. God makes something out of nothing. And he speaks the truth of the word. And the truth of the word is Jesus. What a wonderful story. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll pick up where we left off last night. But I, I thought as you were seeing tonight of Bruce who came that first Sunday and he met me at the door in our new church and he said I don't want to be here well that's a nice introduction isn't it first time you meet a guy at the door and here you're the church pastor and you're welcoming them and he says I don't want to be here 
And I said, well, we don't lock the doors. He said, well, I'm here because my drug counselor said I have to go to church and I have to get things straight spiritually in my life. But I just want you to know I'm an atheist. And so I'm here because she's making me be here, but I don't want to be here. I said, well, you'll be comforted to know that not only do we not lock the doors, we have the back row reserved for folk who want to break and run. And if you get nervous, you sit on the back row, closest seat to the door, and if you don't like something and you need to break and run, it's okay, nobody will chase you. And he laughed. And it kind of broke the ice. I said, I tell you what you do. You just come in here and listen. And if you want to talk about it, we will. You know what I knew? If you lift up Jesus and you preach the truth of Scripture in the context of the working of the Holy Spirit, they can't run. <laughs> they can run, but they can't hide. And God will get them. Every time. It was beautiful. I sat there in the service that day watching the whole service unfold through the eyes of Bruce. And I thought, oh, that's a perfect song. Oh, that's a perfect prayer. Oh, what a great video to show today. And I looked at the sermon outline that I was going to preach. And I thought, And we got done and I was shaking hands at the back door and Bruce met me on his way out and he said, well, you know, I've been thinking about it. I'm not so much an atheist as I am an agnostic. I said, Bruce, that's progress. He was there the next Sunday, sat on the back row, the chair closest to the door, soaked it all in, took it all. He'd never been in church before. Took it all in met me at the door. He said, you know, I guess I'm not so much an agnostic as I am a skeptic. Ah, that's progress. You know, that's how God works in people's lives. You don't go from the void of atheism to fiery hot believer in two easy lessons. It takes time. But I knew if he stayed there, and he heard the truth of God in the context of a faith community and processed his questions. I knew God would get him. You see, what we're singing up here tonight, these are more than words. These, these are truths we live by. These are foundational guiding principles that lead us in what we do. The Sunday after that, he came with his wife and little boy. That was a good sign. He'd figured out this was a safe place. He said, you know, I don't think I'm a skeptic. I think I'm a doubter. That's okay. We allow doubters here. It's okay. A couple months later, he stopped by the church office one day, unannounced, carrying, carrying in his hand this little piece of paper. He said, Jim, I stopped by to read this to you. 
I said, oh, real, what is this, Bruce? He said, well, in my AA meetings, they're having me, and they give us this sinner's prayer to pray. And during church Sunday, I prayed this prayer. And he said, something's happened to me. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. And what's exciting about starting a new church that reach people who do not know the Lord is to watch this whole process going on every Sunday. It's unexpected. You don't know where, where they are and where they're coming from, but God knows. And you preach the truth and you let God's Spirit do His work and you just watch people move up a notch. So exciting. And it's a God thing. Guy met me at the door, shaking hands one Sunday, veins sticking out on his neck. Face was all red. I could tell he was not happy with me. I said, how can I help? I'd never seen this guy before. He said, you've been talking to my wife. I said, excuse me? You got in that pulpit today and told all about me. You've been talking to my wife. I said, sir, I, I, I really don't want to sound defensive here, but you need to know something. I don't know who your wife is. And I don't know who you are. I said, just come with me a second. He said, well, I said, just come with me a second. And I took him out, and we stood by the back door. And as the people were coming out, and we were shaking hands, one after another, they'd say something like this. Boy, did God speak to me today? And then I would say, Pastor, that sermon just got me right between the eyes. And I looked over at him, and the blood was draining out of his face. And then we went three or four others, you know, and said, boy, that was, you know, I'm glad I came to church today. God spoke to me today. That was just for me today. About four or five of those, I turned around and looked at him, and he said, okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> There's something alive and real and authentic about faith that impacts people. And that's what new churches are all about. We're not starting a new franchise in town for a Nazarene customer base. We're not starting a new Nazarene franchise in town for a customer base to move our product line. Something much bigger than that. It's about extending the kingdom of Jesus Christ to places and people who are completely in the dark spiritually and letting the light of God's truth break into their hearts and lives and transform them. And once you get a taste of that, you're ruined. There's no going back. There's nothing like it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we talked about last night. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. What, there's no better verse for a person going to start a church than that kind of verse. Knowing what's not there, certain of what does not exist. Seeing it in your heart before you see it with your eyes. My wife accused me of faking it. 
but I told her, no, I'm facing it. I can see it. I've learned with my wife. We're married 30 years next year. I've learned. You do not say, I told you so. No, no, no. Bad line to use with the wife. But it was about five Easter's after we'd started this church and we were in the gymnasium. We had the Point Loma choir there to sing for us on this Easter Sunday. The children were all out in the outdoor uh, arena area they had at that high school. We had all the folding chairs out, all the bleachers up. The worship team was on the platform warming things up and singing. She was in the worship team. And so as they were singing, and it was, I mean, it was exciting. What a Sunday. And I went up to her as they were finishing the song. I just slipped up beside her, getting ready to welcome everyone. And I whispered to her, what do you see? And she said, tears started flowing. Oh. I can hardly believe it. There's a hundred children out there in our children's service. There's a hundred teenagers over there in our youth service. There's 600 adults in this gymnasium. We got a brand new church here with almost 800 people here today. She said, it's so wonderful. And I said, I told you so. <laughs> you never see it here until you see it here look at verse 6 here's all these great heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I, I have yet to see anything great done for God that did not first begin as a step of faith somewhere. The greatest churches, the greatest ministries, the greatest work that's ever been done begin in the heart and mind of someone somewhere as a seed thought of faith, as a step of faith. And you read through the faith chapter and you find people wrestling with the same kind of problems we wrestle with today. <laughs> their, their battles were bigger than they were. Their challenges were too great. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough help. They face obstacles that seemed impossible. And their challenge is the same basic challenge we face today. Are we going to trust God? <laughs> Are we going to take Him at His word? You see, when I was preparing for ministry, I had this nagging question. Why does God bless this pastor and that church and this ministry and that place and all these others seem to languish? What's that about? 
God must have favorites. <laughs> he must love some people more than others and bless some more than others. And then I came across this concept that, no, God wants to bless everything that we're doing in his name. And he wants us to do it trusting him. And Jesus said it this way, I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to let you decide how much I bless your ministry. I'm going to let you decide how many lives will be touched. You choose. According to your faith, be it unto you. In other words, God lets me step out to the measure of faith that I have to say, I'll bless you in this effort. I like the story that, of the conference that was going on for pastors and the pastor ran up to the speaker after and said, Pastor, I think I could start a church of a hundred. And he said, you can. And the next guy ran up and said, I'm going to start, I think God's going to help me start a church of a thousand. He said, you can. I said, well, what do you know about those guys? He said, absolutely nothing. Except I know where their faith is. <laughs> I know what they're seeing. I see what they're trusting God for. God lets us kind of choose. You say, oh, I get it. Churches of a thousand are better than churches of a hundred. Oh, no. No, no, no. Bigger is not always better. Bigger may just be bigger. <laughs> Did you ever see the health scores of a sumo wrestler? Bigger is not always better. Better is better. But if you ask me if I'm going fishing, do you want to catch big fish or a lot of fish? My answer would be I want to catch a lot of big fish. <laughs> God's going to let us decide what we do. And I talk to young leaders all the time who have this passion and fire to do something for God and make a difference. And I watch them try to work through the system and the politics of candidating and voting. And I think, why? Why don't you decide where you want to spend your life? Why don't you choose where you want to invest your ministry. Why don't you find a place where there's a lot of big hungry fish and go fishing and say, God, with your help, I'm going to give myself to this new ministry in this new place to reach new people for Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust you. Now, I have to tell you, a lot's changed in the last 12 years in our denomination. From starting churches before 1994 to where it is today, we've learned a lot. We used to call it church planting. If you can jump to that second set of slides. We used to call it church planting before 94. It's still church planting. But there's a... 
there's a contrast that's going on when you think about this new strategy. It, you see, the way we used to start churches, we, we kind of tease it out and say, we used to plant churches, but it was done with a volunteer pastor who usually kind of stepped forward and said, you know, I'm not getting any good places to candidate, so I think I'll start a church. And I think I'd like to start a church over here. And I found three or four people who go with me. And if the district can give me a little money, uh, we'll go over here with this group of Nazarenes and start a new Nazarene church. Because I hear there's about six or seven Nazarene families in that town who don't have a Nazarene church. So we're going to start a new Nazarene church for all these good Nazarenes. And that's how we did it for 40 years. And we basically started small, struggling congregations with a very limited focus. That we're doing church... Boy, we're not taping this, are we? We are? <clears throat> I pledge allegiance to the flag. Now, please understand, I'm not, I'm, I'm not disloyal. I, I believe in the Church of the Nazarene. I believe in our doctrine. I believe in our polity. I believe in what we, but I believe if we try to do church one certain way everywhere, particularly in a verbiage and in an explanation that doesn't connect with people who have no frame of reference for spiritual things, it's not going to work. If we're trying to be a Nazarene church for displaced Nazarenes, it's not going to work. We need to be a new Nazarene church that presents the truth of the gospel in a relevant way to connect with people's lives and bring transformation. That's a whole different animal. You understand that? That's a whole different animal. And we've moved from... 20 to 30 little struggling single-cell congregations who never grew beyond the initial core group. We've moved to a whole new understanding of pastors going to an area to capture this town for Jesus Christ. And start real, relevant communities of faith that are making a difference in people's lives. That's a whole different thing. So we've put together this contrast. Let me run through them very quickly. I'm not sure we still have it up. There's... Next slide. Yeah, that's it. Um, we, we talk about... Initially, it was a strategy, if you'll click us through, it was a, a district sponsorship as opposed to a local church sponsorship in the New Start strategy. We're saying local churches can sponsor churches better than districts can sponsor churches. Local churches can sponsor churches, are you ready? Better than Kansas City can sponsor churches. And I'm from Kansas City. I know of what I speak. <laughs> churches birth churches better than denominations birth churches. And here's the wonderful thing that's happened. When we've had churches starting churches, it's brought renewal to the mother church. Baby churches birth healthy mothers. It's a wonderful thing. 
It doesn't kill a mother church to start a church. It brings her alive. So exciting. There are 84 districts in USA, Canada. What if districts started churches? Well, you'd get onesies and twosies. Because <laughs> that's all they can afford. One or two at a time. But what if we looked at local congregations and said, there are 5,000 plus local churches. What if churches sponsored churches? Well, Dr. Sullivan's line was, do the math. <laughs> Duh. We want to have churches starting churches. Secondly, we go from a geographic focus where a pastor says, this town is my town. I'm the Nazarene pastor in this town with the Nazarene church in town. Don't bring another Nazarene church to my town until I give you permission. This is my town. I don't know where he got that idea, but that's out there. Now we're saying, let's have a demographic focus and say, rather than the boundaries of geogra geographics deciding, let's say, who are we starting this church to reach? How will we do ministry in this new church that will connect with the people here who need the Lord? You see, starting strong new churches the right way doesn't mean the same way. So we have all kinds of new churches being started in all kinds of places. I have two daughters, same gene pool, same school, same church, same house. They're day and night. They're just opposites. Couldn't be more opposite. But we're in the same family. You know, new churches are like that. As we birth new churches, they take on their unique characteristics and personalities, but each one is still a part of the same family. I'm glad God loves variety, aren't you? We do not cookie-cutter this thing. We can't. We have to let God do a new thing. In every place a new church is born. Well, let me hurry through these. Look at this map. Here's all the places where we have Nazarene churches in USA, Canada. The dots show the size of those Nazarene churches. The big red dots are the largest Nazarene congregations. The little blue dots are the smallest ones. If you get on our website, you can see this. Here's, here's what this map shows us. You do not grow a church up to 500 before you sponsor a new church. It doesn't work that way. Ready? If you want to take a church to 500, you need to start three or four Nazarene congregations around you. Because Nazarene churches grow best in clusters and groups. You don't see any large red dots off by themselves. They're all in a cluster of churches. We're trying to teach our pastors that starting a new church in town is not competition, it's a partnership. Starting a new church in town is not competition, it's collaboration, it's cooperation like you've never had before, and your church will grow from helping start another new church. You say, why are you telling me this? Because you need to go home to your pastor in your church and say, sponsor me to start a new church. And it will bless that church. 
You will help them. You're not hurting them. You will help them. In fact, what you want to say to your pastor is, I really don't want any of your members. I know them. <laughs> I, I grew up here, remember? I want your prayers. I want your support. I'd like some financial investment for a couple years till we get this thing going. Maybe some Sunday school teachers to help out for a while, but they can go back. It doesn't work taking 25 or 50 people from a church across town to start a new church to reach a community for Christ because they're not the ones you're trying to reach. You start a church with the people you're trying to reach. We've learned some things. We'll talk about all that. But this map shows us that local churches who help start churches around them do better than those who stay by themselves. Look at the ones by themselves on the map. Look at them. They're blue dots. <laughs> They're isolated. They're alone. If you think you're going to stay by yourself and grow big enough until you can start a church, it won't happen. It happens with partnership. Let's jump to the next one. I've got to get done. Three, you build, in the old style, you build from the core or an inside-out flow. You take the core group from the existing church and you move them across town. You love the core. You feed the core. You care for the core. Occasionally you shear the core. But you grow, you feed the core, and you grow out from the core. That was the notion. You know what? It doesn't work. The core group says, hey, we like this. We like being fed. We like being shepherded. We like being cared for. We're the little first church. I've got my seat. I've got my parking space. I've got my place on the board. Don't you dare bring anybody in here and mess this up. Let's keep it like it is. And what we're saying with new church approach today is you build to the core or from the outside in. You go out and find everybody who needs Jesus and you say, come to our church. And you love them and you preach to them and you watch God do his work in their lives and you slot them into their place of ministry and their place where they connect in the body and where they serve and where it blesses them and they are a blessing. And you continue to build toward the core. Whole different approach. Whole different strategy. I've got a great story to tell right here, and I can't. Number four, leadership in the old style had all volunteer leadership. People who started churches, we basically, if they came to us and said, you know, I feel led to go start a church, we were so thrilled to have a new church start. We just said, God bless you. You don't know what you're doing, but God bless you. Go, go. We're praying for you. We'll see you next district assembly. I hope. <laughs> Send them off in the darkness as volunteers. What we're trying to say now is, you know what? We love you too much to let you go do this unless you're gifted in grace to do it. And so we have assessment centers and we screen the leaders. And we're talking about bringing an assessment center to the campus here. It's a four-day event. We bring in a team. We let you preach. We let you do group exercises. You meet other people. 
we go through the process, we do some training, we talk with you, you talk with us, and we get done with the week and we say, you know, here's how we see you scoring. And you may want to carry this score with you as you think about your future ministry and your plans and where you want to go. And we help get people headed in the direction where they need to be as we do these assessments. I have a lot to tell there, but another day. Number five, in the old style, there was no training. Little or no training. I found a book by Elmer Towns, had a title about this long, about starting new churches with unsurmountable odds and little resources and unlikely circumstances. That was the title. I mean, it just went on and on and on. It's like he's really trying to sell me on this idea, you know? A couple little books like that. Today, there's a wealth of resources. In fact, if this is triggering anything for you, if you think, gee, this might be something I'd be interested in, I will send you every resource and book I have in my office free of charge. But you got to give me your name. Write it down on a card, write it on a piece of paper, give it to me and say, I'm interested, I will mail it to you, no charge. Say it with me, free books. Say it, free books. Now, usually speakers come and they set up a book table and they sell you books. No, 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 no. Free books. I'll give them to you. I want you to read them. Why? Because we're looking for the kinds of people that God has gifted and graced to start new churches. I think it's the way to go. That's the only thing we'd ever want to do in our ministry. But it's not for everybody, and I don't want to suggest that to you. And if you say, gee, that sounds like the scariest, most awful thing to ever stand on a street corner with a sign and say, I'll preach for food? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, then don't do it. Don't go there. Don't even think about it. But as we talk about this kind of thing, if something starts to turn in your heart, investigate that. Just follow that and see where God leads you in that. Read all you can on it. Get on the website. Check it out. Number six. Usually it was with district planning. Unless the district had their fingerprints all over it, new churches didn't start. The DS picked the spot. The DS picked the leader. The DS raised the money. And we found out it just doesn't work well that way. Instead, we try to let, it, let us have a new start national strategy that's the same across the board. And we produce the resourcing and the training and the assessing. And even this kind of setting, trying to cultivate the leadership for future new church leaders. And do it with a consistency that connects. And, you know, we're thrilled to tell you 1,300 new churches since we've launched this in just 10 years. Probably 2,000 new churches by 2008. It's just unheard of in our denomination. We've never seen anything like this before. God is doing something very special. You say, well, is that just like the same old, same old kind of new? No. We have brand new churches that are the strongest churches on their district. You hear me? We have 30,000 plus new members being added to the role 
every year by profession of faith directly from those new churches. We've never seen this kind of growth year after year after year. And it's because of hundreds and hundreds of new churches reaching hundreds and hundreds of new people for Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's working. Number seven, there's a, been a limited participation in the past. If you wanted to be a part of a new church plant somewhere before 94, it only happened because you happened to be in the right town or you knew the right person. What we're saying today is we want every Nazarene congregation significantly involved in the sponsorship of a new church. Why? Because it will bless that church. It will bring a new renewal to them. I have no problems with a church running 50 people. No problem at all. As long as they're helping start another church of 50 people. As long as we can be missional about this thing, size doesn't matter. It's about extending the kingdom and impacting lives and fulfilling the mission that Jesus Christ gave us to do. Amen? How can I get everybody's name tonight, Alan? How can I do that? We, do, well, I don't know. Uh, a piece of paper, uh, write it on a card. There's, there's a place in the back. Sign up in the back. If you don't have a piece of paper to hand me, sign up on the list back here. There's a green sheet of paper. Free books. Say it with me. Free books. We'll send them to you. Check out the website. Call our office. We have a toll-free number. We'll be happy to help you any way we can. I think, with all my heart, I believe this. I think the greatest Nazarene congregations in our denomination have not even started yet. Now you think about that. We have some great churches. Some great, I think the most exciting days are ahead of us as a denomination. And God is ready to do a new thing. And you can be a part of that. I don't know how yet, but I can see it coming. <laughs> I'm certain it's going to happen. And when you begin to close your eyes and pray and say, God, show me what you want to do and how it can be done and how I can be in step with what your spirit is doing, it will be an exciting adventure in faith. God bless you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I thank you, Lord, for these moments together tonight. I thank you that I thank you that everything in our life leads up to points like this when you have something very special to say to us. And sometimes it doesn't make sense until we turn around and we look back in our life and we begin to understand there is a design and there is an unseen hand guiding our lives and it starts to come together and it starts to make sense. And I pray that tonight for future leaders in this room who are seeking to serve you and build the kingdom that you will direct them and guide them to that exact right place where they need to be. And may there be hundreds of people impacted in an eternal sort of way because of their obedience. And for what you do, we'll give you the thanks and we'll give you the praise. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. I'll take those names and addresses or you can write it back here in the back. Either way, okay? Lord bless you. Have a good evening.